3: shop now in store or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
4: Like I think people literally pray for this. And of course they do. I mean, look at the I mean, the DNA and I'll, and I'll move to the science as well as the spirit of this, like the DNA of the Filipino, right? It is defiant. It is so defiant in the face of a basic fact that says this sport is not for you.
5: (laughs) This is our final episode, and we want to look into the future and ask what it will take for the Philippines to develop the player who will eventually make the dream come true. The country with what I believe are the most passionate basketball fans in the world can't wait much longer for it. But the good news is, I don't think they'll have to. Thanks to everyone for listening throughout the series and for sharing the love of the game that exists in the Philippines like no other place in this world. Welcome to Episode 6 of Hoops Paradise, the Philippines' love of the game. Basketball, basketball, we're in our chinelas, we're standing
0: tall. <laughs>
5: Nico, I hate to say it, but disappointed in you. Whoa, 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 me? What did I do? It's just that if you believed in yourself like I believe in you, I think the Philippines could have already had that elusive first-born and raised NBA player that the entire nation's been waiting decades to see.
6: Well, 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 you know, when I watch the league these days, I can't tell you how often I find myself sitting there watching just the absolutely dominant play of so many, so many five foot nine and three quarter inch guards who've lost a step and maybe never even had anything that deserved to be called a step to begin with and thinking, wow, I really am the prototype for the modern NBA. Foley, I had you around to push me to greatness when I was just a little bit younger. It's, it's what I do. But seriously, though, Nico,
5: I'm curious why you think the Philippines, a country of more than 100 million people, where basketball is the unrivaled number one sport, hasn't produced an NBA player
6: yet. I mean, before we get there, let's look at the history of NBA players from East Asian nations. And remember that any single kid's chances of being one of the 450 players on an active NBA roster at any given time... They're tiny, no matter where you're born. True, true. I mean, despite the
5: NBA's growth and popularity in the region, East Asia is still in its developmental stages as a potential source for NBA talent. I mean, only 10 players in history have grown up in the region and then made it to the league. Six from China, three from Japan, and one from South Korea. And Southeast Asia has yet to produce an NBA player. There have been several more NBA players of Asian descent who were raised in the States, like Jeremy Lin, the pioneering Japanese-American guard Watt Misaka, and the Filipino-Americans Raymond Townsend, Jordan Clarkson, and Jalen Green. Of those 10 East Asian players, only Yao Ming, the former Houston Rockets center who was inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in 2016, made an NBA All-Star team. Eight of them, if you're keeping count.
4: Check, check, clearing the way
2: inside. Ah! blocked. It. Uh-oh, uh-oh. At the other end for 2 uh-oh. Uh-oh. What I out here
5: others like Ejean Leon and Wang Jiji had long significant careers in the NBA but never quite broke through among the league's best players. Japanese forwards Rui Hachimura of the Washington Wizards and Yuta Watanabe of the Brooklyn Nets are off to promising starts in their careers, but they don't project to be future all-stars.
6: So basically, even the most powerful and well-resourced nations in the Philippines' global neck of the woods have been slower to produce NBA talent as rapidly as other continents outside of North America, like Europe, Africa, and Australia. And that's fine. As basketball fans, or sports fans in general, or just plain old human beings for that matter, we don't have to treat everything like the medal count at an Olympic games. But here in the Philippines, the elephant in the room when it comes to why the nation hasn't produced an NBA player yet has always been height.
5: I remember in episode four what coach Dick Mata said in 1979 after his Washington Bullets beat a team of PBA All-Stars in the first ever exhibition game between NBA players and Filipino pros held on Philippine soil. Good big men will surely beat good little men. But come on, that that can't be the whole story. The fact that Filipinos on average are among the shortest people in the world is a major factor, but there's got to be more to it than
6: that. Absolutely. And each next generation of PBA players seems to be blessed with a little bit more height than the last. But height will probably always be a limiting factor in the country's ability to develop NBA talent. But there's an interesting wrinkle to that idea. Filipinos have always been among the best short basketball players in the world. In the PBA, when imports with NBA experience are asked if they see any local players who might have what it takes to compete at the highest level, they often say yes. The best PBA guards are up there with the best of them in terms of raw talent, skill development, and shot-making ability. Now, I'm sure those imports know it'll be good for their PBA careers if they engage in a little bit of flattery when it comes to complimenting the local talent, but we've heard it enough times from enough different players to believe that there's really some truth to the idea. Of course, that doesn't mean that you can pluck a legendary Filipino guard out of the PBA Drop him into an NBA roster and he'll be ready to contribute. What those imports are saying is that if the most talented Philippine pros, regardless of height, had an opportunity to start training for the NBA at a young age, they possess the raw tools to get there.
5: So what you're saying is that whoever figures out how to unlock that potential and send a Filipino to the NBA will basically become a national hero and have their face put on a 100 peso bill? But how come nobody's cracked that code yet?
6: One factor that I think gets overlooked is how when it comes to giving our local talent the time and space to reach their full athletic potential, the Philippines' passion for basketball sometimes it goes too far and actually can become an obstacle in a player's development. It's like an unintended consequence of having such a strong local basketball culture, and it can affect Filipino players in a few different ways. For example, how about those great, homegrown talents who win multiple PBA Most Valuable Player Awards and lead their teams to championship dynasties? Is it really worth it to them to leave the Philippines and their prime of their Hall of Fame PBA careers to chase an NBA dream? Maybe the dream isn't unreachable, but it's still a long shot. And when you're already established as an MVP-level talent in one of the world's true hotbeds of basketball fandom... I guess it's hard to walk away from the security and the wealth you've already built in your home country. Take Jude Fajardo, the best Filipino player of the past decade. Beginning in 2014, the 6'10 center won six straight, six straight MVPs and made the San Miguel Beermen nearly unbeatable in an all-Filipino conference. When he retires, he'll probably be remembered as the greatest player in the history of Philippine basketball. Junmar's game was never tailor-made for the modern NBA. He's an overpowering, low-post scorer with soft hands, that can vacuum up rebounds, and pretty much guarantee two points any time he catches the ball in the paint. But even though he wasn't the exact type of player NBA teams looked for, early in his career, NBA scouts saw how hard Junmar ran the floor, his natural finishing instincts, and the impact he had on games. And a couple of franchises suggested he join a summer league roster, just to see how it might go. Maybe it'd be a learning experience. Maybe it opened the door to something bigger. He said, no thanks. And he was probably thinking, no way. He was already living the dream as a multiple-time MVP in the league he grew up dreaming of playing in. If it ain't broke, don't fix it.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with that. Who leaves in Hall of Fame career for what would be a still long-shot chance at cracking an NBA roster? But even the players who've tried and not quite made it to the NBA have accomplished something. I know there have been a number of players from the Philippines who at least dipped a toe in those waters, exploring chances to play high school or college ball in the States and then maybe reach the NBA that way. And it seems like each time a new player takes the leap, he gets a little bit closer than his predecessors did. When someone finally breaks through, it'll be because of the other Filipino NBA hopefuls who blaze the trail before him. In 2007, an athletic six-foot-nine Ford named Jopeth Aguilar transferred from the Philippine College Hoops powerhouse, Ateneo de Manila University, to NCA Division I College Hoops at Western Kentucky, where he was teammates with future NBA guard Courtney Lee. But injuries limited Jopeth's playing time there, and eventually he found his way back to a sterling career in the PBA. Kobe Paras, a six foot six guard who showed early flashes of brilliant talent and explosive hops in Manila high school tournaments, moved to Los Angeles in 2013 to finish his high school career in California. He was on the right track, putting up big numbers against strong competition and earning D1 scholarship offers, first from UCLA and then at Creighton. But Kobe, the son of former PBA MVP turned comedic actor, Benji Paras, struggled to find a role at the college level and returned home to finish his amateur career at the University of the Philippines. He's since turned pro and now plays as an import in the Japanese B-League. And then in 2015, Bobby Ray Parks Jr., the son of legendary PBA import Bobby Parks, tried to make the jump to the NBA level after playing college ball in the Philippines. He went undrafted in the 2015 NBA draft, but showed enough promise in pre-draft workouts that the Dallas Mavericks added him to their summer league roster and then signed him to play a season in the G League with the Texas Legends. Both of those accomplishments made history. The first born and raised Filipino to play in summer league and the first to make G League roster. And that brings us to the seven 7'2", 20-year-old center, Kai Soto.
7: I started playing basketball because of mostly of my dad, because he played professionally in the Philippines. I'm from a city, uh, Las Pinas City. It's a city in the Philippines, in Manila. The culture of basketball in the Philippines is just amazing. It's just, it's like a religion.
5: Now in his second year as a professional with the Adelaide 36ers of the Australian ABL. Kai went undrafted in last year's NBA draft, but he's still working to catch an NBA team's eye. And he still represents the Philippines' best chance to achieve the NBA dream.
0: Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I could eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? I know I did. If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6. The new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how to play during the NBA playoffs. Pick between two and six players and choose if they'll have more or less of a stat rebounds, points, assists, and more. Download the new DraftKings Pick Six app now and use code DK Hoops for a shot at huge cash prizes. That's code DK Hoops only on DraftKings Pick Six, the crown is yours.
1: Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including, but not limited to, Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos.
8: At retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.
6: Now, I promise I'm not bringing this up to torture you, but can you give us a quick scouting profile one more time of the Cassidy Hoverth who once upon a time dominated... Middle school basketball competition up and down the north side of Chicago and the surrounding suburbs. What are you doing?
5: I mean, I'll play along because I trust you, Nico, but this better be going somewhere. Okay. Um, From sixth to eighth grade, I ran local basketball leagues. I ran ran them. Okay. I grew early, so I was already close (laughs) to my adult height. Bigger than most of the girls I played against back then. I was athletic enough. I was coordinated enough. I was competitive enough. And I just out hustled people and scrapped my way to back to back to back MVPs. Three? I won- three, three of them things. And I wasn't the most skilled, but you know, like no one in middle school is. So my tenacity won out three times. Basically, you know, I was your classic undersized power forward who peaked too early, should have practiced more ball handling, mainly my left, and shooting skills instead of, you know, my baby Shaq drop step game in the low post grabbing rebounds like I'm Dennis Rodman, which, you know, became kind of useless as soon as I got to high school and I stopped growing and couldn't overpower anyone else on the court anymore. And, I mean, can I stop now? Is that enough? I have enough regret that I live with day in and day out.
6: Can that be a whole episode? Can we just go off on a whole episode, just deep diving that, talking to all the young girls that you dominated then? Mm. Perfect story, though. It's a perfect description. Work on your
5: left, boys and girls. Yeah, I mean,
6: yeah. I think your experience as you moved from middle school to high school, it really helps illustrate one of the challenges regarding skill development in Philippine basketball, at least in terms of training a player for a potential NBA future. In middle school, you were successful with a skill set that suddenly became less productive when you made the leap up to the high school level and found yourself competing against girls just as big or bigger than you. Once you lost that physical advantage, your game wasn't three-time MVP worthy anymore. Well, the lack of overall height among Filipino players has historically left our prospects in a similar bind when it came to making the leap to higher levels of play. Whether it's international competitions like the Olympics or the FIBA World Cup, or even the distant dream of the NBA.
5: I mean, I was over here crying, so I'm glad you brought it back because I see where you're going. So if you're an athletic six foot four teenager in Manila, you're probably getting more experience in a big man role than a perimeter player, even though that height would still be small for an NBA wing.
6: Exactly. And even if that six four Pinoy had the dexterity and lateral quickness to develop perimeter skills that a player of his height would need to succeed in the NBA or in Europe, he might not get the opportunity to develop that side of his game enough to make the leap to higher levels of play. The talent could be there, but he might never get the chance to nurture it. And what's he going to tell his high school coach who just sees that he's got the biggest kid on the floor in his team and he naturally wants that player in the paint?
5: I mean, imagine stepping to some, like, toughest nails high school coach and being like, Sir, uh, I can't play center because I need to develop an outside game for the NBA.
6: Yeah, you'd better be ready to run laps all around Luneta, Manila's answer to New York Central (laughs) Park, uh, until you collapse if you run that plan by the coach. That's really at the heart of this cruel catch-22 of basketball development the Filipino hoopers still haven't completely managed to break free from. The players with the most NBA-ready skill sets tend to be guards who are barely scraping six feet, while the players with more conventional NBA body types don't develop the outside game that they need to stand a chance against the best players in the world. I mean, you'd know better than me. Uh, but it does seem like the country's basketball coaches and trainers
5: are working hard to reverse that trend and develop more versatile, taller players. Take Kai Soto, literally the tallest prospect the Philippines has ever produced at seven foot two. And he's been working on his touch on three pointers and running offense through his high post passing for pretty much as long as he's been playing basketball. And it shows, if anything, I get the sense that the NBA teams would like to see him develop a little more physicality to go with all that finesse he flashes.
6: 100%. It's definitely getting better. And access to an infinite library of training techniques and philosophies throughout YouTube University is helping (laughs) players expand their games in ways previous generations never had the chance to. And the difference is already obvious in young national team players like my guy. 6'7", UAAP Champion, UP Fighting Maroon, Carl Tamayo, a 21-year-old forward whose 3-point range and ability to create off the dribble allow him to switch comfortably between roles as a big and as a wing, depending on the role his team needs for him to play in different lineups. If Carl becomes a model for future Filipino players with similar height and athletic profiles, then it starts to become much easier to imagine the country producing talent worthy of the NBA's interest.
5: And to get a deeper understanding of what it will take to develop not just the first born and raised Filipino NBA player, but a consistent pipeline of NBA worthy talent. We wanted to speak with a Philippine basketball legend who has an insider's knowledge of both the PBA and NBA worlds. Jimmy Alapag, a Filipino-American guard from Southern California, is currently an assistant coach with the Stockton Kings, the G League affiliate of the NBA's Sacramento Kings. As a player, the 5'9 point guard had anything but NBA height. But in moments that are unforgettable to Filipino fans, he gave NBA guards like Pablo Prigioni and J.J. Borea all they could handle when Jimmy and the Philippine national team matched up against Argentina and Puerto Rico in the 2014 FIBA World Cup. And that's really just scratching the surface of a career full of international heroics to go along with six PBA championships, two PBA Finals MVP awards, and the 2011 PBA regular season MVP. Between his 14-season pro career playing in the Philippines and his current role helping the Stockton Kings G League players improve their games in hopes of earning full-time roles in the NBA, there's probably nobody on the planet with a better understanding of the strengths and weaknesses of Filipino players and exactly what the country needs to do to develop more nba talent
7: you know i think i I think it would be groundbreaking um you know again for a country that has such a deep love and passion for the game i think it would just serve as a huge inspiration for the next generation to say hey this kid was born and raised here in the country and now he's playing against the best in the world Um, you know obviously you know kai you know is is working his way towards blazing that trail um and I think up to this point, he's, he's done a great job. You know, he's only 20 years old. Um, I think, I think he still, you know, he still has things to work on his game. But, you know, he just went through the draft process. You know, he already played professionally in a very competitive league in Australia. So I think he's on his way, you know, and, and hopefully he stays healthy and just continues to grow with mm-hmm. his game and continues to just improve. Um, because at this level, I mean, it's, it's the best in the world for a reason. Um, but it's great to see him really carry the hopes of, of an entire country on, on his young shoulders. But um, getting a chance to talk to him um, a few weeks ago in Sacramento when he came to work out for the team um, was really good. And then uh, again, I think he, he does have time on his side and, and it's just a matter of him continuing to work on his game and continuing to improve and, and hopefully he'll get that opportunity.
5: So what do you think? How long will it be before the Philippines makes history with its first born and raised NBA player?
7: Oh, man.
6: I don't know. I also don't want to say something presumptuous <laughs> that it jinxes us, and then I wind up never seeing that moment come in my lifetime.
5: I mean, all right. I asked the question, but, like, relaxed. Just looking for an over-under here. No need to get, like, existential
6: on us. But we're Pinoy's. Basketball <laughs> is existential. Fine. Okay. Okay. Let me think. Ever since Japeth Aguilar left college in Manila to make a run at U.S. Division One ball, There's been a steady trickle, trickle, of Filipino talent willing to chase the NBA dream. And over that time, that trickle has become more like a stream. And each new player in that lineage, from Kobe Paras to Bobby Ray Parks Jr. to Kai Soto, they all seem to get a little bit closer to the NBA. That's promising, but I don't want to make the mistake of assuming it'll always go that way that just because Kai got so close, the next hopeful who comes along is a sure bet to make it all the way. And it won't be anything to be ashamed of if more players try and ultimately fall short. I mean, it is the NBA and there's only room for 450 of the most gifted basketball players alive. But the way things are going and how fast Filipino players seem to be gaining the sort of skills they'll need to get the league's attention someday, Hey, here it is. I think we could see the first NBA player born and raised in the Philippines within, I don't know, 10 years time. Mm. 2033. Mark your calendar. Oh,
5: okay. Marked. I think we need to talk about one more big subject before we wrap a bow around this podcast. What will it mean? to each of us personally, to our families, to everyone living in the Philippines and to the Filipinos based in countries all over the world, when that first born and raised Pinoy finally makes it to the league. And to have that conversation, I asked a friend to join us. He has a way of putting things in perspective, which is my nice way of saying he's a world class overthinker. And, you know, he went to Harvard, so, you know, he's got class. A fellow member of the ESPN Filipino Cabayan Club and a proud chronicler of every major sporting achievement by Pinoy athletes, ESPN and Meadowlark's Pablo S. Torre. What would it mean to Filipino fans to see the first born and raised Filipino player in the NBA? You know, have you ever thought about that? And what do you think that would mean?
4: yeah i've literally dreamed it um it is it's a messianic concept and i say that with all of the knowledge of catholicism of religiosity informing (laughs) our ancestry like i think people literally pray for this and of course they do i mean look at the i mean the dna and and i'll move to the science as well as the spirit of this like the dna of the filipino right it is defiant It is so defiant in the face of a basic fact that says this sport is not for you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the universe, it seems at some point like God was like, you know what? I know you guys like boxing. Great. You can go do that. You guys like cockfighting. It seems like maybe a little questionable (laughs) ethically, but can rock with it. Basketball, it is staggering how unrelenting we are. In chasing this as the thing we love the most. I never got over that. I'll never get over it. And I refuse to
6: give it up for that reason. So is that how you would describe what it would mean to you personally if as a fan um you're watching the nba draft and whoever juan de la cruz it is in oh, the 2020 something hopefully <laughs> it's a 20s draft gets yes. called up with the you know nth pick of the draft like are you just gonna completely just lose it what, what what does it look like in the tory
4: household in my dream there are two versions that i'm not sure which version is best in the one dream <laughs> Of course he's a lottery pick, right? And he's on stage and he's dapping up Adam Silver and he's dancing in a way that also shows another great Filipino talent. Uh, Maybe grabbing the microphone, doing a little karaoke, a little air supply, Uh, maybe it's that. But in the second version of this dream, which I'm actually kind of more intrigued by, he's like not there, it's a late round pick, but ESPN cuts to the home and you just see the spread. You see the titas, you see everybody, like everyone has a plate. They're like, they got lechon in their mouth. The sisig is still, it's still sizzling. You can hear it like right off screen. You can smell it through the television. I kind of want the chaos of like, and there he is with all of his cousins, or at least the people that he says are his cousins. It's really impossible to know based on the sheer numbers inside of this box. Uh, Yeah, man, I want I want the most Filipino version of this. And I think that might be it.
6: I I think I, I think, though, that that second version happens and then right behind him. It's the 3 of us eating lechon because <laughs> the family has reached out and like these 3 are v- vaguely somehow connected to the Oh, NBA. you know we know them.
4: We know. Let's bring they're,
6: them in. Yeah. They
4: they're their Tito Baby, knew uh, my Tito Junior and we're we they they went to school together like you know. They 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 went to mass once. We're related. I
5: mean, while we're talking about family, who in your life do you feel like Would have the greatest sense of joy or pride when it happens? Is it it you, or do you have, you know, other family members who you feel like, like, does your mom, you know, always point out, you know, person's Filipino? Like, (laughs) would they,
4: (laughs) anyone? I I mean, my life is constantly people pointing with their mouths towards people who are plausibly Filipino and being like, (laughs) "Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Miss USA, Mm -hmm. American Idol. Mm That girl from High School Musical, mm? It's all that. And so I, I do have to credit, like, I inherited love of basketball truly from my dad and my mom. I'm first-generation American. They came over. I inherited, I mean, mostly from my dad. My mom really, I mean, she supports, she now supports what I do in sports. Um, so they're candidates for, for this question. But the answer really is is I have... I have an almost three-year-old daughter now, um, and I am trying to raise her to care about basketball in the way that half of her, the Filipino half, <laughs> truly needs to, to continue my legacy. And so by the time this happens, and I believe she, I, I fear and actually hope, I suppose, that yes, she's conscious enough, she's old enough to have the ability to form memories of this moment when this hypothetical Filipino, this Juan de la Cruz is drafted, um, that she will see that television screen and, and recognize herself. Like, and that's what this is about in the end, right? Like it's, it's the Philippi, I mean, it, it look, Asia as a concept is vast. Billions of people across so many countries and in America Lots of places, honestly, across the world, everything gets shrunk into one thing. We're all Asian. And I and part of me that resonates, I feel it. I take pride in that on some level. But really the Filipino experience is a particular one. <laughs> it's a particular one in the way that all cultures are, but ours when it comes to basketball is ours. Like I can't think of anything else that's like basketball in the Philippines. As as a matter of, of love, as a matter of family, as a matter of faith. And that shit to me, like I want, I want everyone in my bloodline to know and to feel that in the way that I think we do.
6: And, and, and I think it's the ultimate achievement, right? Because over the last few decades, there's been this diaspora of Filipino people just going out into the world and joining workforces. It, it, it pick whichever country, right? I think it's the ultimate achievement that the peak elite Avenger level OFW Filipino overseas foreign worker is an NBA player. Yes. I, I th- yes. I, I, it, it's storybook. That's just where all of this is supposed to be headed. No,
4: you've met our nurses, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you know us. We're good to you. We speak startlingly good English. <laughs> Look at this guy about to dunk on your f- head. <laughs> Enjoy that now.
5: Um, but what if he can't dunk on your head? Like, does it matter if that player goes on to have like a great career, like a, mm, like a regular yeah. one or a poor one? Like, is just being drafted,
4: you know, good enough? You, you know, it's a great question. And I don't want to put all of this pressure on somebody who realistically. Although Nate Robinson, I have learned in my extensive research, is, like, fractionally Filipino. So Good I don't want to... Absolutely. Claimed. Claimed. We tried to make Andre Blatch a Filipino through legislation oh, yes. to play for the national team. Back-to-back baskets there by Blatch. Step back. Remember, this is a 6-10 power forward. We will take a 16th of Nate Robinson. Robinson's
8: yes. running behind the back. First with a crossover
4: and hits! But even still, I don't want to put all the pressure on. Like, okay, he needs to be like, you know, he needs he needs to do the exact things that our height would not suggest that we can do. Fair. Um, I think it just needs to be the style. It needs to be it needs to be a little reckless or a lot reckless. It needs to be unnecessary spin moves between the legs on layups. Like, give me that 360s. Just like you know, a little jelly, as the kids say now. But like, it's the flair, it's the confidence, it's the it's the idea of like, this is a culture that dances and sings karaoke, and this is how they play basketball. I want all of this. I want I want the clogged arteries of the Filipino digestive system. It's indulgence, the cholesterol, the unnecessary fat. I want all of that in this person's game. That's all I ask for. I can't stand <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's all you ask <laughs> I just, for.
5: I mean, it's poetic. You are poetic.
6: I have a lot of space in my back for just like a massive tattoo. I think I just found out what I'm gonna put there, (laughs) and just like beautiful, perfect cursive, just that entire, just that entire ten seconds. I was just gonna have it in my back.
4: Yeah, it didn't go as well when I went to my doctor's office and got my physical, and he was like, "You need to stop Stop. eating what you, whatever it is that you are eating." There's (laughs) like CC. Yeah, it's like this X-ray. This X-ray just has a picture of a pig on it. I don't understand how this is. (laughs) Possible,
6: Paulo. I know we laugh about it. I know we poke fun about you know us really coveting is the word coveting, just like a homegrown Filipino born and raised Lichon eating uh, basketball player in the NBA. Is there though a lesson here somewhere about us maybe not being? so overly covetous of that one thing that the Philippines hasn't yet achieved in, in basketball, which is a, a homegrown NBA player. When look at all the other things we have, you know, bird and hand, bird and bush, you know, we're a country that has a basketball culture that's maybe richer, deeper, definitely sure. among the elites. Um, you know, and it goes back through history, you know, than compared to anywhere else on the planet.
4: No, it is, it, I mean, true to the whole idea of like, exporting Filipinos wherever, right? Like, there is something truly, (laughs) as a human, as a matter of the human condition, it's objectively impressive that this culture has bloomed in the way that it has, in the absence of the most conventional ways to install love in someone for something, right? The way you install love for someone in something most easily is you say, hey here is something that looks like you. Do you identify with it? We didn't do that. There is so little to identify with in terms of basketball being sold to us from the very beginning, right? And even the origin story remains a little confusing to me, a little mystical to me, like in my mind, It's just sort of like it happened. And I'm sure it happened in the way that spam became a thing (laughs) that my doctor tells me to eat less of, right? Like exported from the United States, an army base somewhere, World War II. I'm sure there there are roots in that. But the fact that we built a flourishing culture, economy, um, dream, dream world around something that isn't for us explicitly, that you sent us out somewhere and we thrived (laughs) in alien circumstances. Like that's the story of the Philippines too. And, and even if we never get the thing that we dream of, I love that. I love that (laughs) literally for us. I love that. I mean, you,
5: you've said it all, I guess, like just to put a final bow on, on this conversation, um, I I don't know how much more poetic you can get, but if you could just, what is the first thing that comes to mind when you think of Filipinos' relationship to basketball?
4: Yeah. um, This is less poetic, but it's real. I have uh, one of my most treasured possessions is when I try to explain the Philippines and like the Philippine Basketball Association to people. Right? Like in what it's like over there and the rules about imports and height and I mean, just all of it. Right. All of it. Ima- I, I, I just show them this jersey that I have. It's an Alvin Patrimonio autographed jersey. It is the tender, juicy hot dogs emblazoned across the front. And I'm like, I know you thought I was joking when I was talking about all the pork stuff, <laughs> but just imagine. Just imagine an NBA team called the, the Tender Juicy Hot Dogs being like the greatest team in the league. <laughs> and you'll have a little sense as to how it is that our mashup of culture is is both special and in every possible way, extremely
6: delicious. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that, that's a choice of an adjective, Pablo. That is a choice.
4: <laughs> I mean, they're very red. Nico, they're so red. I mean the the hot dogs on question. You got to know what they are. It's like it's almost like chemically red, you know. It's like packaged, pre-packaged. It's it's a it's it's not it's it's not necessarily what your doctor wants. Right. But my god, man, with some white rice and it's always with some yes. white, white rice.
6: It's White. Just... <laughs> Pablo the Poet Torre, everyone. Now we're going to take a quick break before we wrap this whole thing up in a
0: bowl.
1: For up-to-date list of states, visit slash pick 6 states Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com/promos.
8: And it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. GameBridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates. More product disclosures and disclaimers and other important information.
5: Nico, I can't believe this experience is over. This has been, I mean, enlightening. It's been just special to not only talk to you every single episode but to learn more about the philippines which obviously i have this strong connection to but still kind of feel incredibly distant from so you know this has been a really really um wonderful experience and i couldn't think of a better person than you to share it with
6: yeah no i mean absolutely i think that our friendship and how it's grown is my favorite thing out of this entire experience but also I've really felt much more connected to the Philippines and being Filipino. And I feel extremely validated by this basketball mm. craze that I've had ever since I was like two years old. You know, just by talking to all these other people from all around the world who feel the same way, tracing back a little bit of our history. It's I'm, I'm, I'm so proud to be Filipino and to be a part of this crazy basketball country. I
5: mean, samesies, you said it validation. Um, I will say, you know, it's just learning more and, uh, feeling more connected and understanding just the passion that the Philippines has for basketball. I think also makes me understand myself a little bit in the connection that, you know, I've always had to basketball my whole life. Um, I will say, I think my mom who will definitely be listening. Um, Hi, mom. Uh, I don't know if she'll be, you know, happy with like the Tagalog lessons that you gave me throughout um, the show or just disappointed in herself since she didn't teach me Tagalog growing up because that's only your fault, mom. Like like let's have a real one on one conversation here. Like you and Lola should have taught me Tagalog growing up. But not that I hold it against you or anything, but at least I found my friend Nico to help me out, you know, 38 years later.
6: I think to wrap it up this would be a good point <laughs> to finally give you your grade um, after all the oh, lessons each okay. episode right yes, So not I, good. I, I think I think given the uh, limited time, limited exposure to it and the fact that I put you on the spot with super difficult terms each and every episode, I think you get away from this with a really strong B B. I plus. mean, we
5: all know in every Asian household, a B is, <laughs> won't cut it, but I will take a B because I was more like behind the scenes. There's a thing called an edit button. Our producers, uh, Peter and Grace, I think they would probably grade me more like a D, but I will, I will take a B no, from you not a curve.
6: No, I, th- I, I think, I think a B is strong with a possible B plus if you put in <laughs> a little bit of extra credit, but your mom and your Lola. They both get C-minuses. Sorry. <laughs>
5: exactly. Exactly. But I will say, this, it just was so great to talk to so many different people. I think my favorite interview was with Eric Spolstra because I, I felt a connection to him, both of us being half Filipino, you know, raised and born, of course, uh, stateside, but always having this like deep love for the Philippines.
7: What you hope for is that young kids cannot put limits on what their dreams may be. Uh, and so if they see more role models and see more possibilities of what could be, and it may be, you know, to be an NBA player, you know, like Jordan Clarkson or uh, Green, but it also may be a dream just to work in the NBA, to work for the NBA main offices, to be involved somehow, some way uh, in this great association. There are so many different opportunities and possibilities now, uh, and hopefully like you and I, you know, and, and everybody else can kind of pull back the curtain for kids that may have just been fans before they may be able to think bigger now
5: it was funny at the end of it he called me his sister because we just had this connection of oh yeah okay we're kind of the same person. We both have uh, our both of our mothers are born and raised in the Philippines. Both of our fathers are from, you know, European descent. And we also found our careers in the NBA. And to kind of like talk about just the supernova that he is in the Philippines. I mean, he is like he is Michael Jackson meets Michael Jordan when he goes over there. And um, he did extend an invitation for all of us to join for a big party in the Philippines. So uh, we better take him up on that.
6: I am ready, willing, and able to be <laughs> at that party. It's it's great to be able to kind of speak to him now here for this podcast. And the conversation that you guys had is such a fun listen. I remember the first time he came over to the Philippines as head coach of the Heat. And he wasn't a two-time champ yet. Um, and, you know, he was... Just the guy that we were so proud of for making it to be an NBA head coach. And obviously, we're a whole lot prouder of, of him now. And uh, also, we you know, we had conversations with guys who are still deep in it in terms of pushing Philippine basketball, whether it's Tim Cohn, who when we spoke to him, he mm. was in the middle of getting ready for practice for a PBA finals game.
5: And happy <laughs> belated birthday. <laughs>
7: Yes, yesterday. It's been uh, yeah. It was uh, yeah. It was a it was a weird day yesterday. One of the very few times I've won a game on my birthday.
1: Oh
3: really?
7: <laughs> Usually wow. I lose. I don't know why it is.
1: I do Feel like I broke the uh, broke the curse yesterday.
5: <laughs> Are you getting ready for practice? Is this uh is practice? Uh, yeah, in a few
7: hours. A couple hours we have a practice, and uh, we have another game tomorrow. Game two is tomorrow. Yeah. Cool. So we played game one yesterday, we play game two tomorrow. Or Jimmy
6: Alapag, who mm-hmm. Tim Cohn famously passed on in the draft. <laughs> Jimmy never
7: forgets. And is now coaching in the NBA G League of all places. You know, what I try to do is just with, with our young guys in the G League, just try to help them understand what it means to be a pro and, and the type of work habits that you need to have. Um, and really develop, you know, a, a routine for yourself. You know where, You know, coming in early, staying late and doing all the things that a pro does to give them the best chance because I know their goal ultimately is to be in the NBA. And so whatever we can do for them in the G League to build those habits, to help them work on their game, improve, grow.
6: We're everywhere. Uh, The the Filipino basketball diaspora is... Incredibly um impressive and we're gaining power. Well the one thing, the last infinity stone that we need is that Filipino born and raised basketball player. Yeah. But everything else, we've we've got it covered.
5: Yeah. And I mean and and we still rep hard. I right? mean Jalen Green and Jordan Clarkson, like they well we'll take the halfies for right now. I also really enjoyed the conversation with Andy Thompson. And the story he told us about the bus trip, like that was, that stopped me in my tracks, literally.
2: We came out, they shook our hands. We gave them some high fives. There was no autographs. They just wanted to meet us. Coach said, okay, now go get back on the bus. And we got back on the bus, visibly shaken. And we didn't say anything. The coaches got back on the bus and we drove away. And to this day, I still think, I am so fortunate that these were like Tom Dwight fans. Are not fans of Ginebra or, or uh, Toyota or somebody else.
3: What a
5: roller coaster of emotions. What was your teammate thinking? And did any of your teammates who were local, did they say anything to you before you got off the bus?
2: Yeah, when everybody finally felt comfortable enough to talk, they said, you guys are very lucky. Because normally they take you and they hold you for hostage. Because the United States at that time, would wouldn't, they had a policy, they wouldn't negotiate. And so it was just like, once again, after the fact, when you, when you get back to your hotel room, we still had a game to play. To this day, I know I have some photographs of where we played, but I don't remember anything about the game because I, my mind was still on the back of that bus and in that, in that jungle. And when you get back to your room at night and you lay down in your bed, that's when you realize we definitely dodged a bullet, no question.
5: That to me was uh, a standout interview and story from the podcast. Um, I also loved learning about just the style uh, in the PBA because it does. It reminds me of my scrappy style in, in middle school. I, I can't believe I continue to talk about my middle school career. I am the saddest person alive.
6: <laughs> that, that was my last bit. That was my last bit. Being able to visit your middle school greatness. That and Raymond Townsend paving the way for all basketball players with Filipino heritage and him also being like a top five, just nicest person ever yes. in the world.
0: Yes. It touches your heart to know that these people are so proud. And, and you know, my legacy was 42 years ago, but these people act like it was yesterday. So you can imagine I am so humble and grateful. And I thank Jesus every day. Uh, for the blessed life that he's given me through this wonderful game of basketball.
6: That and revisiting your middle school uh, <laughs> three-year MVP run are tied for me for, uh, I guess, best experiences of this podcast. Sorry. Sorry, Raymond. But, you know, three-time MVP over here. Chicago's <laughs> finest.
5: There you go. There you C-Hub go. See
6: hub in the building.
5: See <laughs> hub boom pum pum. Um... But it was uh, a pleasure and just an absolute wonder to be able to spend this time with you, Nico. And let's let's do it again. Can't believe
3: it's done. <laughs> at LuckyLandslots.com.
8: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions supply.
3: Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainer, Fistle Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin.